Hello and welcome to the next edition of our podcast Lights in Europe. Today we speak to Anne-Claire Gatois, who's there to work on a bit of myth-busting around EU carriers for the general public to better understand what it's like to work for the European institutions. So she's managing the program which allows us as, as staff to express ourselves on social media and explain a bit more about our carriers. And there's also another pillar of this work for students, which expressly helps the students to understand understand the possibilities for getting recruited by the European institutions. So listen to this edition if you wonder whether it's true that bureaucrats are grey and boring human beings and what are the possibilities if you want to join the program, for instance, as a student and you don't know where to start. So today we speak with Anne-Claire Gatois. Hello, Anne-Claire. Hello, good afternoon. So you are a very interesting person in the commission because you're actually working on busting all these myths about the EU officials being boring, lazy, grey people and you're actually helping all of us to get out there and shine our light and maybe show a little bit more to the general public what the carriers in the European Commission is about. So explain us a little bit more what is it that you work on? Yeah, well at least we're trying to indeed change the image a bit and one of my tasks in my job actually is to meet a lot of uh, young people so that's what I find really exciting and fun. Um, I can talk to you about a network of students we have uh, throughout Europe. These are students we select every day in top universities. Uh, we call them the EU Careers Ambassadors and they are a bit like our public relations on their, on their campuses. So um, basically they come to Brussels for a weekend, we give them a full training. Uh, they start to learn what the, the career opportunities are in the institutions and then they go back to their countries and spread the word. So raise awareness about what uh, kind of careers you can have in EU institutions. And at the end of that weekend when they come to Brussels we always hear very nice comments and excited comments from them saying it was the, the time of their lives, they met so many interesting people from all over Europe, it was amazing, they had lots of fun. So in that sense, it already opens their eyes a bit and I think their enthusiasm, they take it with us, with them in, back in their countries. So for us, it's very rewarding to, to see that yeah. group of young people. I remember the, the other day when I was part of this weekend with the students, we yes. had this speed dating exercise exactly. when we basically, us as staff, a couple of us were sitting in the room and the groups of students from all around Europe were rotating around the table where we were and we were basically chatting about how we passed the competition to get into the institutions and what our jobs are about and what is the career advice that we would like them to basically bring home because they are somehow a bridge between us and the schools exactly. that they're representing and so that's why I think this program is so powerful because we hope that through the weekend experience the students will become somehow the the eyes and ears yeah, of yeah, yeah. the institutions. Absolutely and they really love this part of speed networking actually that you took part uh, in uh, because it's an opportunity for them to meet real people, real officials uh, behind the image of grey suits, boring people that you were talking about at the beginning, they really see that we are normal people with interesting lives and jobs and very different profiles. So uh, for them, I think it's an eye opener indeed. And the comments we get from the weekends also are generally that this part of speed networking is the favorite, one of the favorite um, parts of, of the program because. It's really entice, uh, interaction with real people. They have opportunities to ask any question in an informal context. 
they also get to learn some of the life in Brussels, so all that makes them very much enthusiastic. Do you that. know any numbers for Slovakia? Because I remember that once I've met a lady from Eastern Slovakia from one of the universities there, but I have no clue how big is the representation for my country really. Yeah, actually we have uh, every year two students from Slovakia who do this uh, role of EU Careers Ambassador, so our um, public relations of the campuses. Two uh, ambassadors that maybe may sound a bit uh, short, but actually they do quite a good job. They, last year they uh, organized, ele- organized 11 events uh, together, um, we, but it touched and it reached really a lot of people. In total it was almost uh, 800 people that attended those events of career fairs, presentations at universities and stuff like that. So it's quite a big amount of people reached. And so if somebody's listening to us from, I assume these two of them are in Bratislava and Kosice, the it. two biggest exactly, cities? Yes. yes. And so if somebody from a university in another city was interested to join the program, can they just email somebody here in Brussels or do they have to go through some kind of a selection process? Actually, uh, in February, we publish a list of universities we want to, where we want to have ambassadors. Um, this list is set up with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and generally, indeed, we use these two biggest uh, universities, but we're always open to discussion for discussion. So if anyone else uh, from another university wants to apply, they can also apply during that phase. So it will be from end of February till end of March 2020 okay. on our website, epso.eu. EPSO.eu will be easy to find in Google, I think. Um, EPSO meaning the European, European Press Press Selection, Selection Office. I can also which say is the that. HR office of the Commission. Exactly. So the the application phase will be open at that time, February March next year. Uh, if the university is not listed in the list of pre-selected universities by the ministry, no problem. We can talk with the ministry and ask for uh, their opinion if mm. we can add one okay. one more. And so there is also a sister program of this program that we're talking about, which is for staff. So the one yes. we were talking about is the EU student ambassadors, exactly. which are the students who serve as ambassadors of the EU at their universities. Right. And then there is a program, which I'm also part of, which is called EU staff ambassadors, where us as staff of the European Commission or of the institutions, mm-hmm. I don't know, the institutions. we become ambassadors of the profession, yes. really. And so we try to share the word a little bit about about what it's like to work for the institutions yeah. and why I think is the coolest job one can have if one is interested in international relations and creating Europe. So can you tell us a bit more about the, the mission of the program and yes. what it looks like? Yeah. Okay, well, the Staff Ambassadors program, it started in 2010, I think, uh, with a very small group of people, I think something like 12 people, a uh, very, very limited amount. And now this uh, group are actually voluntary people, so goodwill ambassadors, I would say. We don't reward them, I mean, we don't pay them. It's really um, from their own initiative that they want to join this uh, this network um, because they want to show real faces of the EU, real uh, stories of EU officials. We try to attract more and more staff ambassadors to make this network grow. At the moment, we have about uh, 105 staff ambassadors, so it's growing. From Slovakia, we have three at the moment. Uh, but you are one of the most active ones, I think, and there's a, another one also <laughs> from the same uh, place of employment, and another one from so from the Commission. You are, and we also have uh, staff ambassadors from other institutions. So we have another Slovak 
person who works in the committee of the regions. Of oh, course. Cool. So, uh, but we also have staff ambassadors from the parliament, the council. Uh, so all the big institutions. And so the form through which yeah. we do the ambassadorship is, I mean, what I'm aware of is that we post stuff on social media where exactly. we share how do we feel about our jobs yes. and, and what is it that we would want the outside world to know beyond exactly. the, the myths that are really yeah. out there. Plus, we organize all these back-to-school sessions and when we go home to speak, for instance, at schools or with general public, we always try to include a bit of the personal carrier story into the story so that yeah. people understand what's the story behind mm -hmm. the, the policy and the European area that we actually work on. So what is the form beyond this, yeah, what you, I described? I think you made a perfect summary is of it. So okay. uh, on, on social media, we post uh, a picture and a quote of one of our staff ambassadors every week so the social media is EU carriers EU carriers uh, Facebook um, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram Twitter uh, and LinkedIn yes so we have we publish the, the, those posts every every week and these are actually one of the biggest successes we have on our social media generally with that's the ones that get the most the biggest number of likes uh, so every time it's a picture of one of our, of our colleagues Uh, with a little quote explaining what they do concretely with their job. So now we've changed a bit the format and we have a bit more space so we can really go a bit deeper into what they do and this seems to be very much appreciated. And then indeed you have we have the speed networking that we mentioned before also, so an opportunity to meet students or visitors or people working in universities and career services for instance. So we do this kind of event several times a year and we invite some of our colleagues, staff ambassadors to again chat with those people and explain what they do and then also of course these back to school programs are very important back to university so our colleagues go back to their the places where they studied and explain concretely uh, what they do and it has a huge impact i think to for people for, on young students that see a real person coming and explaining concretely again what they do so And when you look at the content, really, of what is being posted on social media, what is the type of information about our job that is most interesting for the general audience? When you hear feedback from them where they're really surprised and they say, oh, I wouldn't have expected that the EU carriers is also about us. What kind of angle to our carriers is the most impactful myth-busting element? So I think it's to for people to realize that there are really human beings behind every theoretical job. So seeing maybe someone from your own country um, appearing on, on Facebook, for instance, and discovering the career that they have in a totally different environment with different topics. So indeed the storytelling behind um, a theoretical job. What is That's your personal story? What is ah. the story that brought you into the <laughs> European institution? Well, I don't come from very far away. I, uh, I'm Belgian. Uh, I was born in the area of Liège. That's about 100 kilometers from Brussels. But then I moved to Brussels for work. Does First, it mean that you grew up I, surrounded with people from the European institutions and understanding what this job is about, actually? Or not, not so much, much, actually. I'm not a very, very good example of, uh, my, of what I can see around me, uh, around my with my colleagues in the sense that I was born in Belgium, studied in Belgium, didn't even go on Erasmus, uh, worked only in Belgium, so I didn't travel much except for holidays. But then, of course, um, I know a few people, including my sister, who started working for uh, the institutions and they told me how interesting it is to meet 
so many people from different cultures and backgrounds. So first I started actually working in Brussels uh, in uh, the private sector in the communication uh, field. So first in an insurance com- no, first in a pharmaceutical company, then an insurance company. And then I had the opportunity to take a competition to work in the institution, so I tried my luck. And I started uh, first as a secretary, actually, in uh, Directorate General for Competition. And then I heard of a very interesting post uh, job, actually, being uh, available in EPSO, the European Personal Selection Office, and I applied and it worked. They took me uh, first to work on the, um, the organization of uh, the interviews with the candidates. So the candidates who try the competitions just like I had done a few years before. Um, it requires a whole organization, of course. You have to find jury members, organize the interviews and everything. So I was in charge of that um, that part, the organizational part, I would say. And then two years ago, I was offered another job still in EPSO, but in the communication part again. So it was going back to my first jobs. And it, for me, it was really, really interesting, an opportunity I couldn't miss. Uh, but so I'm still working at the same place for about 10 years, but actually I've done three different jobs uh, during this time. So for me, it's also very interesting to, to know and to notice and to experience that you can have different jobs within a, one Inside life. Inside of the institution yes. and keep moving. Yeah. yeah. And also what I forgot to mention, very important thing, when I started working in the private sector, I was working again in Belgium with Belgians only. And so when I joined the institutions, it was like my sister had told me, it was such a richness really to discover all those people from different places, backgrounds, cultures. Um, we have a lot of uh, celebrations too for different reasons because every country has its own traditions. So it's, it's a lot of fun too. So I love that really. And so if somebody is tempted now and thinking to themselves, hmm, it's something that I would like to try and explore the possibilities of working at the European Commission at the institutions, but it seems so difficult and, and yeah, mission impossible given that you're always competing with tens of thousands of people out there from around Europe. What is the number one career advice you would give to the people if they dream of European careers and they think it's like really, really unreachable? for them? Well, first of all, it's not unreachable because every year we have about 2,000 people who make it so to the re- to lists of successful candidates and to get, who, who get uh, offered a job afterwards. So it's proof that uh, really every day people manage, uh, including me. I would say um, you have nothing to lose trying. You can also try several times. Actually, I must confess, uh, it was my case. I tried a few times uh, and it, I wasn't the best first of How all. How many times did you try? Because I, I think it's a national sport yeah. that all of us have to have had to yeah, start yeah. it and try a couple was, of times. Uh, I, th- I passed f- uh, when I tried for the fourth time or something okay. like that. Um, so you don't get discouraged by that because at any, anyway, you don't have nothing to lose. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, you just try. Get ready, and um, if you're really motivated, I think you finally make it through. You can also um, apply for lower position, maybe like an assistant, and then grow to yeah. uh, another position. So it's absolutely feasible. It was my case, more or less. So as I told you, I, I studied as secretary. Now uh, I'm officially a project manager. So you see, I grew also. So I would say, don't hesitate. Really, it's worth it. Okay. It's really interesting, and you will you will work and meet amazing people. 
And one last thing to conclude, what is the favorite fun fact about European carriers that you like to say to people which blows their mind because they haven't heard about it before? I would say for me it's really the, the multicultural environment that's for me the main point. Also what I like a lot is that um, I'm not trying to make money for a company. I'm trying to give a service to as many people as I can. So also one part of my job is to meet lots of groups of visitors who come to get information and I love to see them discover things and go away with um, their minds being more open maybe because they had not thought of everything we do here. So giving a service, making them happy. I think I think this is the is, most rewarding part yeah. of this stakeholder, as we call it, interaction when we meet people from the general public and you see that through one day spend in Brussels or half an hour or a couple of hours yeah. with you in the visitor center or elsewhere, you really shift their perception yes. of the EU and Brussels yeah, yeah. And, and the crowd of people working here. Yeah, so yeah. that's really re rewarding. Exactly. Thank you very much. With pleasure. Thank and you good luck me. with the program. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. For follow-up, you can find us on all major podcast platforms and all social media platforms, including our Instagram, Lights on Europe. So feel free to go there now and leave us your review, likes, feedback, as well as tips on who would you like to hear interviewed next time. Bye!